2: it's thursday and you know what that means that means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite and welcome to another edition of day after dynamite solo edition of day after dynamite because i'm here by myself i'm will washington wanted to this one's gonna kind of be a little bit of a shorter edition i'll give you a couple reasons why uh one holiday season my kids are off uh, and they're upstairs actually watching Elf right now, uh, and I figure I should give them more of my time. Second reason. You may be asking, why will Washington do? You have a coat on and hood on in your house. That is because it is freaking cold. Been posting about this on Twitter the last couple of days, but uh, we've been anticipating this day here in Denver for quite some time. Uh, It is currently, kid you not, actually it's warmer than it's been. It's currently negative six Fahrenheit outside. Very cold. And uh, I do this show in my basement. For those that uh, don't know uh, how how physics work, um, heat rises. So it's very, very cold down here. Uh, Very cold in my house. and uh, I I will say that earlier it was like negative 12 so it's a little bit better in my house I've got the heat cranked I've got the fireplace going can't get it above because I've got like one drafty window upstairs um I put a plastic bag over it to like kind of help with all of that but I cannot get it above about 69 degrees come on come on give me your nicest. it's all fine and good anyway so it's cold I don't want to be in the basement for too long. I've got my coat on to keep me warm. Uh, And otherwise, I'm here just to talk about some AEW Dynamite. And I have to say, folks, I liked a lot about last night's edition. Thank you, chat. You're all behind there, but I got all my nices. Uh, There was lots of good to talk about. Some not so good and some really interesting to talk about. Uh, first thing I want to get into, as we'll talk about all the news and everything else that went down, is, uh, look folks, I hate to say I uh, told you so, I'm not one to do so, but look, I've been singing the praises for years of one uh, Hikaru Shida. As a matter of fact, I'm currently wearing my Halloween Shida shirt, and... I believe I've said consistently on this show, on Grapsity, RBR, wherever you've heard me talk about this individual, I have stated that Hikaru Shida has given every one of her opponents their best match. It's She consistently changes the narrative around her opponents. And uh, it, it never fails, whether we're talking about Uh, Jamie Hayter, or whether we're talking about um, Penelope Ford, Ty Conti, whoever it is. Jamie Hayter to a lesser extent, because Jamie's been having a phenomenal year. So I was looking forward to this match pretty much from the moment it was announced. And I think the moment that you could kind of start to sense that it was going to be the main event and before they had even announced it you could kind of see that aew was putting a lot behind the match in terms of social media and things along those lines you kind of got the feeling that wait this might actually be going on last which is interesting because uh the last time the aew women's world title main evented dynamite if i remember correctly was Britt baker versus thunder rosa in the steel cage match which also took place in this same arena, uh, the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. So kind of interesting that women's wrestling just seems to thrive there. Uh, But anyway, point being, Hikaru Shida. She gives her opponents their best match. Uh, With the role Jamie Hayter's been on, I thought this was going to be something great, and it turns out it was. Uh, So hats off to one Miss Hikaru Shida. Uh, This, I think, is one of two... The Sheeta Action Figures I own. This one's actually signed. Um, Matter of fact, this one, I'm just going to allow this one to sit right here. I'll turn it so it's not, like, glaring in the screen. There we go. Sheeta's going to join me the rest of this show. So, um, and I see, because King of the North asked, was that before or after Deanna versus Mercedes Martinez? Deanna versus Mercedes Martinez was back in, uh, I want to say, May, if I remember correctly. Um, I know that one took place in Baltimore, Uh, and so that would have been after, but, uh, the reason that it's, but I said AEW women's world title, so that was the reason that still slightly uh off there. But anyway, I want to make sure we get in our Super Chats. Get if you're uh watching live, please send us your Super Chats, send us your Humper Chats as well. Super Chats you can send us uh by going to youtube.com/fightful and I'm going to try and read those as we get through the show and then also if you go over to uh, humperchats.com, you can send us a Humper Chat really at any point. Just make sure you're addressing what show it's for. We got quite a few Humper Chats actually already uh and I want to read this one here. Let's make sure we get this one on screen. Uh, this one is from Jason R. Jason mm, sent in a $5 Humper chat. says, uh, Happy holiday season, all. Really loved last night's Dynamite. Will, are you looking forward to the Dynamite set to be uh, held in your area? Uh, I feel like tonight's Dynamite set up a lot of future storylines, and I, for one, enjoyed the Swerve Keith Ross promo. Will you are in uh, the minority there because uh, that segment definitely did not get a lot of love on social media and we'll be talking about that here shortly. Um, as far as the dynamite next week, oh yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm gonna be doing a lot of media stuff um, around that show um, one of which you guys will probably hear about here shortly uh, yesterday on list in your boy Sean, Kind of hinted at what it's going to be, uh, but so I'm sure those of you who are in the chat right now and know what that's uh what I'm talking about there, I'm sure you you know what's coming uh so that should be exciting and uh you'll have that'll be officially announced on social media either I think either tomorrow or Saturday. so stay tuned for that i'm sure the chat already knows what that is just based on uh how list and your boy went yesterday and uh, a little exchange there but thank you sean for uh putting that out there uh and so yeah i'm very much looking forward to it uh my friend who i've talked about a lot who um has just recently gotten into wrestling as recently as this past september um she's going to be going with us my kids are going Uh, my wife is going, my uh, in-laws are actually going. A lot of people are going to this show that I know just personally. And then uh, we've got uh, just a lot going down on that show that should be fairly exciting. And really, uh, getting into the news around AEW, it's going to be one of the, if not the last, as it seems, show to have the current look and presentation of AEW Dynamite. It's kind of interesting to think about all of that. So Tony uh, confirmed in a great interview um, with Scott Fishman yesterday, talked about the changing of the set set and stage. Uh, That it sounds like there's going to be a change to the stage. He called it really beautiful. I haven't seen anything. Um, You know, I I have seen a little bit of the... uh, what do you call those, identifier shots that they shot uh, over full gear? Um, I know some of that was seen on BTE, I saw. Um, somebody mentioned to me, I haven't seen it, but I know somebody mentioned that they also showed some on Sammy's vlog. I guess it would have been one of the last ones, since he's not doing the vlog anymore. And, uh, they've, and then I saw some stuff that uh, wasn't seen on either. But the... The gathering I get is that they shot some stuff for the the new Dynamite intro and the new that's going to kind of match the presentation of Dynamite, and they shot some stuff for Rampage. Uh, You could kind of see that in the BTE intro where they were doing kind of those hallway shots that looked like those were for Rampage, and then uh, the shots with the lighting in the back would have been for Dynamite, I believe. Uh, Don't quote me on that. So there's that. Uh, And... Yeah, it looks like there's going to be a little bit of a refresher. It's kind of interesting to think about the fact that Dynamite is still relatively one of the newer shows in wrestling on television, right? It's basically Dynamite and Rampage are the two newest. Um, You've got, you know, Raw that's been around since 1993, SmackDown that's been around since 99, NXT that's in most forms been around since 2010. And then you've got Dynamite from 2019 and Rampage from 2021, but what's crazy about all that is that of those shows dynamite has the oldest presentation of any of those shows and it's one of the newer ones right like raw got a refresher last year in 2021 and then they've changed theme songs just recently um and smackdown kind of same deal smackdown had a graphics reset or upgrade about a year ago and then they changed the theme song uh what was that just like a month and a half ago uh, NXT, of course, just got a presentation overhaul. Dynamite's had some upgrades to the presentation, of course. They completely changed the graphics set in 2020, November of 2020, right after Full Gear. And then they did a little bit of a refresh of that graphics set uh, back in January when they moved to TBS. Uh, they just kind of changed a little bit of the way the animations move. Uh, but for the most part, it's been roughly the same throughout uh, pretty much since the 2020 change. And uh, the theme song has been exactly the same since day one, uh, which, granted, you know, it's Mikey Ruckus. It's uh, his band, uh, No One Hero, that did that theme song. It's uh, it's great stuff. But it's just interesting to think about the fact that one of the newest shows in... Uh, in professional wrestling has the oldest presentation and so it's going to be nice to see it get a refresh i don't know what they're going to end up doing i'm curious uh what that's going to be but i am excited to see how it all shakes out I, i always love presentation overhauls it always kind of feels like uh just a new breath uh and new life into whatever show is happening um and then of course like I said, even with Raw, you know, Raw has had multiple refreshes, but every single time uh, I get excited for them. I remember in 2002 when they debuted the set and dropped kind of that Attitude Era set, I remember just how different and exciting the show felt. It almost felt like I was watching a pay-per-view that first night. Um, SmackDown's had multiple refreshes and each time it's, it's, it's felt good, especially because I hated the ACDC run. Uh, so either way, I'm excited. Next week, uh, in Denver is going to be the last show to have kind of that old presentation. Uh, but it is New Year's smash, and there's a lot going down. But yeah, I'm going to be doing some media stuff around Denver, and but I will be there. So if you're going to be there, come say hi. I'll be on the floor. I can't remember where. I think in Section 6, maybe? Section 6 sounds right. It's the one next to the ramp, so that that's where I'll be. Um, and yeah, if you're going to be in the Denver area and you're going to be at that show, come say hi. Um, I know that uh, Ticket-wise, it's doing better, as I've mentioned before, than the last show, which I think just barely scratched 3,000 seats. And this one, I think, is up to like 3,700. So it should be good stuff. Uh, let's see. We've got more Super Chats. And thank you again to everybody who sent a Super Chat. Orion Ben 666 says, Will getting his poncho ready for next week, Game 6. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, same deal. My my wife, as I mentioned, had, had blood splattered on her. And uh, given how match five ended and the fact that they seem to be hinting at giving us more blood, uh, I imagine that's not for no reason and that we're going to be seeing it in this coming match. So that should be exciting. Zero Prime says, Sheeta proved why she was champ for 372 days. Look, um, the thing about Sheeta was that she... You know, a lot of people um, associate her with the pandemic, right? And there's a lot of... uh, uh, For the most part, we hear it all the time that she's, she's a pandemic era champion. It was brought up on commentary that she had her reign with no fans around, which is a true statement. But I think bringing that up so much discredits how organically over she got when the fans were around. And that's one thing I never want to take away from what she accomplished. That whether or not the pandemic took place, she was going to be champion. Uh, That she really, from the time she came in, I remember she had, uh, you know, obviously she's been with AEW since day one. But she didn't move to the States until October of 2019. And the reason that I bring that up is because she had that first Dynamite match with, I want to say Shanna. uh, And I think that was on October 30th, 2019. Uh, and I remember that because that was the night uh, they crowned the first tag team champions, SCU, when they won the titles. Um, and that also had um, the – there was the Halloween episode. So it had all the Rick and Morty stuff. So I, I – there's a reason. I, there's a lot of associations there. But uh, Sheeta had that match, and you could really sense from that match on she was really getting over. And she had the match against Britt Baker, uh, and she beat her clean. And that I'm talking about before she broke her nose when they were both babyfaces. Uh, And you could just sense more and more she was getting more and more over. And then they ended up having to do that fatal four-way at the beginning of 2020. And that was, uh, it was Riho defending the title against Sheeta, Nyla Rose, and Britt Baker. And it was really just because um, Chris Statlander, who was originally supposed to get that match, had a booking. So then Tony booked Riho to defend against the uh, bottom four of the top five at the time back when they were still doing the rankings and in that match of course you had three baby faces in that match Britt was a baby face although brit was like teetering on a heel turn already uh riho was of course the world champion she was a baby face and cheetah was a baby face and of and if you go back and watch that match again you can clearly see as the match started uh I think multiple people were over, but by the end of it, people wanted Sheeta to win, and I think that was a testament to how over she was getting. And then on that last night before the pandemic, that show from Salt Lake City, I think it was March 11th, 2020, um, there was a tag match that night. It was B Priestley and uh, what was it B Priestley and Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Sheeta and Chris Statlander. That was where the holy Sheeta chant was born that night. And it happened organically. It wasn't something that was just printed on a t-shirt. It wasn't something that the uh, was told to the fans. It was an organic chant, happened on its own. It blew up. And that became kind of a catchphrase of hers. But I said all that to say that she was getting really, really over with the fans going into uh, that title win. And had the pandemic not happened, I think she would have been um, an extremely over champion. Uh, and she would have been kind of seen as a people's choice kind of champion. But instead, uh, she ended up having her entire reign take place without fans around. And by the time the fans came back, Rick Baker had gotten over. You know the story. So, uh, yeah, I think she did prove why she was champ for 372 days. But I think she also proved why she was kind of the ace to begin with. And uh, I think I'm really glad to see she's one of those names that after not being champion, um, you know, there was a lot of worry, especially for me, that she would fall wayside. And I'm really happy to see that getting the match against Jamie Hayter, that she gets to be a top. Uh, you know, having a match against Jamie Hayter is one of those things where they treat it as a big deal, treated as Jamie Hader is somebody who is picking up steam, gaining momentum, is very over with the fans. But Sheeta is still, to this day, the longest reigning AEW champion ever. Although, we're just like three weeks away from Jade Cargill passing that. So, uh, either that'll no longer stand for her or Jade's on her way to losing. I don't know. Uh, Let's see. Tim Gordon says, Hater versus Statlander will tear the house down whenever it happens. It has potential to main event a pay-per-view. Could. And again, that is uh, a case of homegrown names. Um, I know everybody who... Has known Jamie Hader for longer, will always say, Well, she was born in stardom. Yes. But as far as getting known to the wider audience, it's been AEW that did that. Um, And I think she would even consider herself a homegrown name in that regard. Uh, I think that could be a big deal. And it's always great to see when those uh, homegrown names get kind of that main event due in the same way that last week Ricky Starks and MJF did. It's. It's nice and to see that this week i think was a really cool thing uh let's see uh what is that pedraic uh gillespie says the main event was the matchup i fantasy booked for the owen finals and it was everything i thought it would be hater and sheeta stand, stay winning uh i i agree uh i i love all of that um Caden says, "I'm sorry for what I did last night." Hart. look, I'm not mad at you, Caden. Um, and for the for reference for what happened, uh, sometimes folks, when you're at live shows, remember that your friends sitting at home are on a bit of a delay and a lot of one at that. And so I'm watching FTR versus the Ass Boys, which I predicted last week the Ass Boys were going to win. And Caden texts me, You did this, Will, and I'm and the match wasn't over. And immediately I think, Huh, FTR must have lost. And so I'm sitting there waiting for the next about it was like 35 seconds, and sure enough, the Austin gun gets to roll up on Dax Harwood. And I looked at I text Caden. I was like, I know you're live in the arena there, but remember that I'm on a bit of a delay, so like I'm not seeing what you're seeing just yet. So uh, that's that. And uh, actually I've got a guest. Maybe. Do I? Oh. Uh never mind. <laughs> I do not. Uh, I'm just checking out some other things. Uh, let's see. Let's keep reading the super chats. Uh, let's see. We've got, uh, Amandine says, hi, Will. What's your percentage on Sasha? Or what made your percentage on Sasha and AEW go down? Okay. Let's talk about percentages, shall we? I was asked today and I tweeted 69%. That's what I said. Uh... 69%, and people notice that that's down from when I gave a percentage last time. Why 69? Two reasons. One, it's because that's how hot it is in my house. so It was a fresh number in my head. But two, 69%. Let's talk about it. <sighs> Why did it go down? Okay, so my gut feeling is still, yes, it is Sasha in LA my gut feeling is yes that is where she's headed is AEW still my gut feeling it's not necessarily even a hope because I just hope to see Sasha Banks back and knowing that she's going to be working in Japan knowing that she's currently in Japan I'm excited about all that Um, why my percentage changed uh has a little bit to do with the lack of promotion of the match and the fact that there are potentially in place at this moment in time two potential uh partners for Soraya in Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm now i think we're bait switching here i think that's exactly what we're supposed to think here i think that's the reason why there's two potential partners because uh, if she has to pick between those two, wouldn't that be an issue? Because she was standing, all three were standing tall at the end of the show. Why would she pick just one of them? Uh, so I do think that some shenanigans are going to go down. So that's why my gut feeling still says we're here. Because I also feel like part of the reason that the match, because I've have heard from people, why aren't they promoting the match right now? At this point, if they wanted to build hype, wouldn't they be promoting it more? Yeah, they kind of have been, right? They. they announced the match uh, two weeks ago on Dynamite and then they did have Soraya also uh, give it a little bit of hype and say that she's going to find a partner but as far as we're concerned no match graphic has been made none of that's been actually promoted why is that and then I thought about it because my percentage might have been lower thinking about those things but as far as we know Sasha's deal with WWE is not up yet uh, it's not gonna be up till january 1st and so as far as that's concerned i don't think we're in a place to necessarily be promoting a match on the record on as in match graphic everything with somebody who isn't <laughs> uh technically available yet and so like all of the stuff with new japan is all things we know via some great reports out of the observer out of Uh, pw insider things along those lines but as far as she's concerned there is nothing promoted as far as sasha's concerned uh as far as anybody knows she's still sasha banks as of today and until january 1st it's still sasha banks so uh i think that i I have a feeling we're going to get a little more clarity in the next couple of weeks As it stands right now, I think that I'm still at about 69%. I'm not willing to comfortably go over that 75% again. Uh, And I don't think I will be until January 1st, until I see her straight up removed from the WWE website. Then that's about the point where I'd be willing to go, okay, we're here. So give it a little bit. But for now, sticking with my 69% because it's nice. You know who else is nice?
3: That Will guy. Washington! You're very nice, Will Washington.
2: Yeah. Am I? Is that what they say?
3: I think you are.
2: I just realized I can't hear you, and I know why I can't.
3: It's because <laughs> I
2: I don't have headphones on because...
3: You don't need headphones as a, as a solo host, right? Right. Well, so sense.
2: I haven't needed them. What's up, Jeremy?
3: Uh, nothing. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm just doing a podcast by uh, myself.
3: Why, why? Why are you by yourself?
2: What because cause it's cold, and my kids are home, and so I've noted to people this one's going to be kind of a shorter one, and I didn't want to shortchange any guests, so here well, you we just,
3: are. You, know, you could have just asked me. I, you know, I'm i <laughs> available on, on a drop at the hat, Will Washington, anything for you. So anytime you don't feel like doing a solo podcast, you just message me. I don't take offense to it.
2: <laughs> well, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Uh, No, I I don't know. It's obviously I'm here and happy to just answer all the questions that everybody's got, like uh, Abdullah the Butcherhead, who said Jane came out or Jade came out once on dark while Sheeta was in the ring. I was so excited, but Madison Rain confronted her. Uh, When will she face experienced women? Um, I think there's a little bit of a balance there, right? In that uh, if you keep Jade mostly against kind of the types of opponents she's had, it's easier to keep her undefeated. That at some point, once you start going toward the top of the card with her, uh, you... And I think that's a place you can go once you get higher up on the streak. But it's kind of like Goldberg, right? Like Goldberg was beating mostly bums. And then uh, once Goldberg was kind of through with the bums, um, then you started seeing him start taking on more of the people who were... Uh, more important on the card i think she's gotten a lot of those important people on the card but uh there's obviously a few that you still want to kind of keep her away from and i think that's not necessarily a bad thing to me anyway
3: i mean she's she's faced nyla she's faced um athena willow's not like experienced in the aew world but a lot of people know willow obviously a big name on the independent scene so she's faced some like experienced women. I guess if you're looking at it from the AEW perspective of okay, yeah, when she when is she gonna face like a Sheeta, a a Brit Baker? Um, you know, Tony Storm's still kind of in the the world title picture, but but someone like that, I can understand that argument. Uh but yeah you gotta be one some of these women are in the world title picture. Now Athena is in the roh title picture. Uh and then like you said, you gotta there's gotta be a balance there of you can't have her face these women and then maybe have them win and so then jade loses her losing streak or jade beats them and then it's like okay where do they go from here it is it is a tough balance and i still think at times they're struggling with that because right now like that bow wow stuff feels dead and i don't know where they go <laughs> yeah what the hell happened with that <laughs>
2: I mean, especially because it feels like she's on her way toward uh, Red Velvet. And so, yeah. Um, unless Red Velvet aligns with Bow Wow. But again, like, it it does feel I, dead.
3: I think they, they should get a singles match out of Kiera, right? Like, they just dropped her. And it's like, oh, let's do a six-woman tag. And then that's that. You, you can't get me a, a singles match out of Kiera and Jade on like a rampage or something. Like, boost the win streak a little bit. There's a little story there, like a little mini storyline between them. I feel like they should at least capitalize on that a little bit.
2: Oh, for sure. Uh, Vibes with Rivenblade says, Happy holidays and all the best to you and the fam. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for being a refreshing and reasonable voice in this space. Reasonable. Tell that <laughs> to my wife. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, let's see. We've gotta got to pull your no, collar.
3: Yeah, reasonable. Tell yeah, yeah. to the wife. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, she's great. <laughs> and uh, oh, <laughs> I see why Rob is here. Thank you. Um, and uh, I, you know what? Hey, everybody, I'm gonna let Rob know the same way I let everybody know, folks. Don't forget that there's a brand new edition of Ask Grapsody happening today at 5 p.m. Uh, and 5 p.m. Eastern is the time uh, for brand new edition of Ask Grapsody at 5 p.m., Rob. And so uh, it's going to be me, Reg, and Phil answering your questions. Whatever you've got for it for us, throw it at us. We'll answer brand new Ask Grapsody. So that's at 5 p.m.
3: 5 p.m. Fightful Select.
2: Everyone sign up. FightfulSelect.com.
3: Ask Graph City. There we go. Oh, no. Okay. It literally, <laughs> did he put himself? It says, don't put me on screen. Get out of here, Rob Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> popped on to give a thumbs up. Speaking of thumbs up, everyone gives a thumbs up on this video and subscribe to the channel.
2: Yeah, this please.
3: Professional transition over here.
2: Yes, I I would appreciate that from everybody. We'd all appreciate that here at Fightful. Speaking of Fightful, you know we got the Fightful Awards coming up. Myself and Denise Salcedo and Sean Rossap are going to be hosting that one. Uh, it's going to be a blast. If you haven't voted, uh, please get those votes in. Today's category was a big one. We're talking about Female Wrestler of the Year. Up for vote right now. We have... Two different categories here for wrestler of the year where uh, we've split not just male, female, but also in ring and overall, because I'm starting to realize those are kind of two different things. Um, although there's a piece of me that feels like in ring and overall might in one category be won by the same person. Uh, let's find out. That's right, folks. Logan Paul is going to win it all. <laughs> um, and- <laughs> but now you're talking about the
3: females which,
2: <laughs> and... uh no i mean that i think that could end up being the case too uh let's see where we're at uh maybe not no i don't no, think it will be i
3: don't feel like in ring and overall because i think in ring like looking at at the list i i feel like in ring might go to somebody like tam nakano uh or iwatani but like overall I, I haven't checked the checked the voting I haven't checked the votes I want to be surprised um, but I think overall I could end up going to Bianca. Uh,
2: yeah I mean there's yeah there, there's again it's two different categories because I think there's two different things to recognize here um, in terms of what people have brought in the ring and what they have brought just as an overall presence to professional wrestling this year because uh, yeah it, it's very much two different things. And we do need to recognize those in-ring performances as well So get those votes in Uh, It's going to be a really, really fun show I have been putting it together for the last, I don't know, month uh, In terms of putting the actual show that we do together I've been producing award shows for the last 18 years And given the opportunity to do this one Hell yeah, I was going to do this one So uh, this is going to be my 18th straight award show
3: I look forward to it. I assume that I will accept the awards on behalf of everybody. I will just show up and I will collect all the awards for myself and then go <laughs> door to door and then hand them out to, to these people. That, this is what Jimmy is paying me for. Mm-hmm. I thought I will accept and then I'll just go and hand them to these people. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, Jimmy's just going to pay pay to... Fly me across the country to hand out these awards of like here you go here's your here's your fightful fightful award, It'll be very fun.
2: Uh, let's see, we got another humper chat. This one is from, uh, let's see, we'll go with Arduit, uh, who said for dad. Last night's, uh, last night was my first show ever. Like Overall, just like ever, ever? That's great. Um, or was it your first AEW show? Regardless, glad you had fun. I said, still riding the high from that. The hater-Shita match was an absolute all-timer. The trios match was phenomenal. And despite everything, I think uh, the Swerve and Keith Lee ending was solid. Also, the FTR pop is real OMG. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed all of that. Uh, again, getting to go to shows... I think is, is quite an experience. I did a count I've been to 19 shows this year. So, um, there is a little piece of me. That, ooh, yeah, I went to 19 in, uh, across the board. I went to GCW shows. I went to AEW shows. I went to WWE shows. I've been to a lot of shows this year and, uh, and various indies, just little things like that. I, I I keep a running list in my phone of every show I've ever been to, um, and I also keep note of who I went to the show with. So that way, I... are you gonna you're gonna put this in a book like Chris Jericho? Do you have like star ratings on all the
3: shows <laughs> that you went to?
2: No, I it's for me it's just like a I like to see who I've enjoyed wrestling with and like, uh, I don't know who I've been around the most for all these shows. I think this year. Uh, hold on, as I drop my phone. If I look at my phone, I pull up the shows I've been to this year. So yeah, I believe it's in my, my Notes app. Yeah, this isn't like a spreadsheet or anything. It's literally just an events I've been to, um, <laughs> just thing. And going all the way back to the first Raw I ever attended, which was on April 23rd, 2001 at the Pepsi Center. Uh, and going on 21 years. Or almost twenty-two years of shows, but let's see because I believe Phil and Reg are the two people I've attended shows with the most this year. Like between uh, Super Supercard of Honor and For the Culture, and they're listed here multiple times. I was at the Royal Rumble with Phil. I was at Terminus with Phil. Yeah, I definitely went to a lot of shows with Phil and Reg this year. So
3: I mean that that definitely makes sense being with uh those two. Well, I, I know you travel often, Will, and go go to all of these shows. I, I think I've been to two. I went to an AIW show and I went to AEW when you know, I went to Cleveland. That was Cody and Sammy. Went to mm-hmm. their Cody's last match and then Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't remember much of that show. Punk wrestled Dustin. I that that was the match that I remember yeah, of so. that show. Haven't been I don't think I've been to anything else. It's been a long time. Been spending money on <laughs> other things. Could not afford to travel. You got married this year. You yeah, got, that costs a lot something. of money. Marriage yeah. costs everybody. It's a word, word to the wise. Marriage costs money. You know what costs you more? Kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's
2: very true as well.
3: Your kid's going to have a good Christmas, Will?
2: Yeah, I think so. I um, So it, it was one of those things where there's nobody around. <laughs> All right. So we'll start with the one thing. The next two and a half minutes are going to expose the secrets behind Santa Claus.
3: Oh if, boy. Spoiler alert, everybody. <laughs> so, uh,
2: if you have kids in the vicinity, just like mute. So my son is, is starting to catch on. My daughter knows, uh, she learned earlier this year. Actually, it was one of those, like, she always send her to middle school, still believing in Santa. And so, uh, we told her and it was like this big heartbreaking moment. Um, But my son is like kind of starting to catch on. His friends at school are like, "Um, they say Santa's not real, but I'm going to put it to the test this year. I'm going to ask for things and not tell my parents. And so we're like, fuck, how do we get around that? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So he wrote a letter. So we were like, hey, you got to write a letter to Santa. And he's like, you're right. So he wrote a letter and then we like intercepted it. And uh, he he was like asking for some slightly outlandish things that almost like don't exist and i was like damn he's like he's like really trying to like crack this mystery of santa claus uh so i've had to make some things happen (laughs) uh because like he's really into beyblade right now and so he's like i want a beyblade making kit and like there is no like real beyblade making kit but um, all the parts for various Beyblades do exist. And so I did find all of them and, like, put them in Look baggies. And he's – oh, yeah. No, th- I'm going to keep this mystery alive. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm I, going to keep the magic alive this year. I'm going to do it all, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be Christmas. And it's <sighs> – other than that, like, my daughter's in that transitional period where, like, I remember – Do you remember being eleven and what you wanted for Christmas that year?
3: No, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, Will, much less being eleven. Kidding me? Uh Oh.
2: See, I remember all (laughs) I remember all of my Christmases. I can tell you what I got like every single year for Christmas. But eleven was like a really odd Christmas because I hadn't quite like it that was a year where I kind of grew out of all the like kids stuff I was into, but hadn't quite grown into the teenage stuff I was into. And so like, I remember the year before, uh, I had gotten, like... I think the Christmas I was 10, I got a PlayStation and a Croc, Um, Which was, like, a lot of people's first PlayStation game, apparently. Um, and then I remember 98, uh, when I turned 11. It was just a really sad Christmas. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I was a really big Family Matters fan. Huge Family Matters fan. For those who don't remember... Michelle Thomas, who played Myra, died December twenty third. I didn't find out about that till December twenty fourth, and spent all day Christmas sad Aww. about the death of Myra, all day. That was I couldn't think about anything else. I'm like, oh, why do I even want gifts? I can't even enjoy any of this. This sucks. <laughs> and so was sad about that all day. But also like I didn't even really ask for much that year because I don't know. I wasn't sure what I was like into, and I had a blockbuster card so like I could play any games I wanted and so I didn't really like ask for much that year but then like when I was 12 12 was like the wrestling year that was the year that I was I became just obsessed with all things professional wrestling and the only things I wanted anything anytime somebody asked me what I wanted that year I was like something wrestling just get me wrestling stuff and I remember that year I got WWF the music volume four I got WWF WrestleMania 2000 on Nintendo 64. But then my dad also bought WWF Attitude on Dreamcast. And like (laughs) um, one of those games really sucked. And the other was WrestleMania 2000. Uh, And
3: We're not going to slander WWF Attitude. That game for for the time? That wasn't bad.
2: Well, first off... No, it was mainly because like the WCW games were slaughtering it. Yeah, and I actually for... hated the Acclaim games
3: with the yeah. the button combos; those are horrible. oh so
2: bad. Yeah. And to get both that and WrestleMania 2000, which was just phenomenal at the time. Yeah, and like to put play those side by side, it's like WrestleMania 2000. I would say didn't look as good as Attitude, and didn't have like the entrances Attitude had. So I would like throw on Attitude, watch the entrances. But, like, don't play the actual game.
3: And then camera cut to the, to the to 64, <laughs> and here's the actual match here. Yeah, and then here's
2: the actual match I wanted to have. <laughs> like, that that was it, though. I, I literally only did attitude for the creator wrestler, for the entrances, and for all of that. But to play the actual game, nah, I couldn't. That shit was trash. Uh, WrestleMania 2000 had all that shit going on. But, yeah, I, I got those three things. And... And then from then on, and I remember, I think I got a DX jersey the following year, and it was just like through my teen years, everybody knew from then on I was wrestling. You get me something professional wrestling, and you've probably won my Christmas heart.
3: Now, I cannot tell you what what I got. I think I got a lot of hockey tickets when I was a kid. I'm sure I got a bunch of wrestling stuff. couldn't remember year to year, though. My memory is not that. I don't have the Will Washington memory. (laughs) I was actually going to tag you in a tweet last night because that first hour people are, I don't know if it's a complaint, but they're like, Will said this is going to be the shortest show ever. And he hasn't started on dynamite. That's my fault. Um, But that, that first hour, there was like no wrestling. Like there was one match. And then there was uh, the, the six man, which was when a decent hour or decent time. And then Mm -hmm. the hook match was about two seconds. Was that the shortest? Was that the shortest amount of wrestling? The least amount of time of wrestling in an hour of dynamite? Will? Oof. I feel like you should know this.
2: I mean, off the top of my head, like I remember there was a show back in September where they had um, kind of multiple sports entertainment segments, mm. and uh, and people had kind of pointed out pointed that out. And I know Tony had even kind of given me the stat uh, directly, where Tony had told me that this was the only the second show that he had done three in ring segments that weren't matches. Um and this show had three right. This show had yeah. The it started Ricky stu- with Ricky. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: then it had Danielson, and mm-hmm. then I guess you can count sort of Moxley. yeah. It, but the other stuff. No, was no, backstage. I was gonna say
2: Swerve. That was oh yeah, Swerve. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this, this I show. I was thinking did, first hour only. Sorry. Yeah. No, this show did have three though. Just as as a show. Um, yeah. He usually does about two, and then the rest are all matches. So, um, I don't know. That's it's a little interesting. But anyway, uh. I do just want to say, uh, as far as Arduet is concerned, and going to shows, uh, I'm glad that you had fun at your first show, and uh, yeah, there's really nothing like that first show. It's, You know, the the problem I'm having, and I'm realizing what I need to do next year, and it'll probably start with San Francisco uh, for Revolution, is having traveled a lot. And I'll let Jeremy take this call. But having traveled as much as I have traveled the last couple of years for pro wrestling, I've really been doing wrestling travel since about 2016. The part that I'm forgetting to do is enjoy the city that I'm in, get myself a little bit of an experience. And the reason I say all that is because arenas are kind of all the same. <laughs> and uh, it's it's like getting into a city and going straight to an arena uh and hotels too hotels and arenas are kind of all the same especially if you kind of like stick to a brand with your hotels and so uh traveling for wrestling you kind of find that if you don't do anything to experience the city i have to go all right peace i i I'm have good. to i have to go do dad stuff you go bye, do dad stuff, and i'm gonna yes. keep doing dad stuff bye everybody uh, love you Will, right washington right bye everyone love you jeremy jeremy lambert everybody anyway So, um, oh, she's falling over. So, yeah, all I was saying is, uh, if you're going to do any kind of wrestling travel, make sure you experience the city that you're in a little bit, because I went to New Orleans, uh, earlier this year for wrestling. And, uh, I kind of forgot to enjoy New Orleans. It was my first time in New Orleans. So, like, I forgot to really give myself a New Orleans experience, you know, after the show was over, um, you know, I, I saw a bunch of friends in wrestling and we, we kind of got to do the Bourbon Street thing a little bit. But for the most part, I forgot to really give myself the New Orleans experience. And I got to remember to do that next time. Uh, and in 2023, a lot of my wrestling travel is I'm going to put a kind of pad it with a day on either side for just experiencing wherever I'm going and uh audioclave or autoclave sorry not audioclave autoclave say uh, just donated eight bucks thank you uh always appreciate you uh let's see this show is
0: sponsored by better help if you had an extra hour in your day what is the first thing that you would do read a book take a nap play some video games do something for a friend volunteer a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time but
2: so Pablo, Pablo here sent in a humper chat says not sure when we're getting the danielson mjf match but if they wait till revolution i could see brian winning it and then mj getting it back a week or two later what say you um i mean i think brian can't really like i would love to not see him lose another aw world title match because i think he he'll end up setting a record for like most shots or most title matches without winning, right? Because he's had uh, he had the first one with uh, Hangman last year at Winter Is Coming. He then had the rematch earlier this year. He's at the match with Moxley um, to go for a fourth and not win the title. I think uh, would set Brian up for. And I know he doesn't want it, but I I would have concerns about that. So that's not a terrible idea. Um, Pablo also says, uh, Denver next week is my first time attending a show since WCW Thunder, April 2000. Funny thing about that week. uh, And it was, so WCW came to Denver in 2000. And that was the week that Bischoff and Russo kind of did the hard reboot on WCW. They stripped everybody of the titles. Uh, They debuted the new set, all of that stuff. They introduced the new blood. All of that happened, Denver, Colorado. Uh, So I know what week you're talking about. Uh, He says, SRS was curious about the card, looked it up. It was Colorado Springs. Uh, So yeah, they were in Colorado Springs for Thunder. They did Nitro in Denver. He said, DDP versus Bam Bam, Sting versus Jeff Jarrett and uh, Villanos. Um, We had uh, Flair versus Buff. Uh, Norman Smiley and Terry Funk teamed up. What a time. WCW 2000 is definitely a time. Um, a good one. That's up for debate. But uh, a time nonetheless. All right, folks. You guys want to talk about some Dynamite? Let's talk about some Dynamite. Uh, and really quick, Graham B says, I wonder what Rebel and Paul Turner talk about. I don't know. Van Twinblade says, if you have Fight TV Plus, watch Glory Pro Show from Sunday, Tootie and Moses versus Suede and Mike Outlaw, Tornado Tag Match Humped. I'm glad you still got to watch it, Van Twinblade, because I know you didn't get to go this past Sunday. Uh, Caden says, Gun Club beating FTR ruined my Christmas. So, the show opened up with uh, one Ricky Starks and... If you were paying attention last week, you should have known where this was going. So, Ricky Starks, basically, he owned not becoming AEW world champion, but talked about that he at least lost like a man, unlike MJF, who won like a coward. Good line there. He then uh, talks about how that won't happen next time, because next time he will be the AEW world champion. He is then interrupted by Chris Jericho, which, like I said, Chris Jericho name dropped Ricky Starks last week. My gut told me that's where we were heading, it that we were on our way next to Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. I feel like, to me, that's a good one for Ricky. I think that Ricky Starks uh, needs to hold on to some of the momentum he gained winning the tournament and challenging MJF. And I think the best thing for Ricky Starks is for him to be facing somebody who's at the top of the card. That will keep Ricky Starks there. Nobody better for that than Chris Jericho. Yes, I know there's a little bit of a groan when somebody gets involved in a feud with Chris Jericho. Not because it's necessarily bad. Because matches deliver with Chris Jericho. It's more so that people know when you get involved with Chris Jericho. Getting out of a feud with Chris Jericho can take some time. Um, It's somehow a miracle that Moxley only had the feud with chris jericho like as far as his direct feud with chris jericho moxley really only had the build up to revolution and then we waited two years until they had the quake by the lake match but for the most part moxley has managed to skip jericho that said jericho and uh starks like i said i think it could be good i thought Ricky Starks had some great insults for Chris Jericho. Jericho, of course, made the predictable offer to one Starks offering him to join the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Although, when you look at it at surface level, it makes perfect sense, right? Ricky Starks does have some sports entertainment qualities about him. If anything, that's somebody you would think Chris Jericho would have been after for the Jericho Appreciation Society from like day one. And so Ricky, of course, turns it down. He throws some insults, some really great insults. He told Jericho that he's looking good because before he was built like an air fryer. That was a very good line. Uh, He said that he uh, dresses like, uh, what was it, a a dad on his fourth marriage or something along those lines. Um, It was great stuff. And he challenged Chris Jericho to a one-on-one match at the first Dynamite of 2023 in Seattle in two weeks. Great stuff. And then uh, Ricky Starks gets jumped by... Uh, sorry, Fifth Divorce. Thank you, Ace Shock, in the chat who corrected me. Uh, but Ricky Starks gets jumped by uh, Jake Hager and then the rest of the Inner Circle... Or not Inner Circle. Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Sorry. When I see Sammy Guevara there, I'm like, it's the same group. Um, but the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society... Jumps, uh, oh, and then yeah, he called them jazz holes. That line caught on. The crowd chanted jazz holes. That was actually kind of over again. I thought Ricky Starks was good here, and he held his own. Um, the uh Jericho Appreciation Society jumps Ricky Starks out. Comes Action Andretti for the save, and uh, they clear the ring later on. We saw Action Andretti cutting a promo that was halfway decent, uh, and he gets fire thrown in his face because in case you forgot, Chris Jericho is a wizard. But we then had match five in the best of five, best of five, best of seven series. Uh, it'd be over here. If that were the case, it would have been over a while ago, but in the, in the best of seven series, we saw uh death triangle. Go up against the elite. The elite down 3-1. How could the elite come back from this? No one's ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. Except for LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. (laughs) uh, If you didn't see this week's Road 2. Or if you watch. uh, What is the other show they do? Um, Control Center. So great. Uh, Of course we had. Uh, Nick Jackson bringing up that the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James did this. And with the most deadpan look, like I'm very much picturing them just busting out laughing as soon as it ends. But in the most deadpan way possible, Kenny Omega just goes for those of you who don't follow sports, he's the guy who started Space Jam. Loved it. I, I thought, like, honestly, I still love Big Dork Energy, Kenny. And, uh, that was great but either way this match was no disqualification everything's legal including the hammer again I have to uh, just take a little umbrage with the people who thought that what the series was going to be was just a bunch of matches with no story because again story is kind of what these matches are doing best uh, and thinking about how uh, you don't necessarily need I guess you know a bunch of in-ring promos and backstage segments and things along those lines to uh, to tell a story. you can tell the story solely with what's happening in the matches and the matches themselves have been the story and it's been great stuff. Uh, I've enjoyed pretty much every single one of them. I think maybe three was a little, Not so remarkable, but for the most part, these matches have been excellent. And uh, Match 5 just brought, again, something completely different to the table than Match 1 did, than Match 2 did, um, than what we saw last week. It's completely different. And this, this was a hoot. This was a blast. Uh, Nick Jackson, of course, selling the ankle injury from last week. We also saw some shenanigans involving... Uh, alex abrahantes and brandon cutler brandon cutler of course after getting the sero thrown in his face and he then sprays alex abrahantes with the cold spray and then dabs and then gets super kicked all of that was great stuff i thought uh this was really exciting action-packed i wasn't sure uh that the crowd would really be entirely behind the elite there were some near falls in this match that had me convinced. It was one of those one, two. And then kind of convinced myself, okay, well, maybe we're not getting match six next week. Because uh, those Kenny getting hit in the head with the hammer. And going down for the one, two, point, 9, nine, 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 nine. Again, just an amazing near fall. Uh, Kenny getting the tinsel wrapped around his throat and, uh, by pack and being locked in. And then, uh, as Nick Jackson goes for the save, Ray Phoenix locks him in, um, a bit of an ankle lock. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, I mean, this could like be a match. And, uh, Matt Jackson goes for the save and he initially gets stopped by Penta. I was biting on a lot of this stuff. And then of course, Matt Jackson breaks it all up and, we end up getting a Meltzer driver off the top rope onto a chair, onto Ray Phoenix, one, two, three, the elite win. And they do move on. Again, this, like, isn't true. It's not. the uh, John sends in the chat saying the best of seven has no story. That's not true. I mean, unless, like, what's your definition of story? Because if your definition of story is – Uh, having promos and backstage segments and things along those lines, sure. But that just means you're not watching the matches because the matches themselves are the story. And it's been told through every single match that's taken place here. And the story has progressed each week. This has not been just straight matches. None of them have been the same. It has been a very, very interesting, fun, and unique series. And I have had a blast with it all the way through And I am looking forward to match six. I'll be there in person. Go figure, because I was there for match one. Um, And I'm excited for, honestly, match seven. Doing the ladder match. Like, all of this should be exciting stuff. I mean, we got some exciting times coming up for one uh, Kenneth Omega. Because uh, that man, you know, working these matches the way he's working. He worked dark this week. It was his first singles match in uh, over a year. And then going over and facing Osprey on January 4th. This is, it's a great time uh, to be a fan of Kenny Omega matches. And I, for one, am one of them. So uh, I, I'm getting to the Rick Ross stuff. So hold tight. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right chat. Uh, Next we had um, Brian Danielson, uh, and he came out and... This segment was interesting because I don't think the crowd was giving Brian what he was after here. He got an HBK chant, which they were in San Antonio. That is HBK's hometown. He talked about training in San Antonio. And then he brought it back around to even though he trained in San Antonio, even though he trained with Shawn Michaels, the guy who's been his biggest mentor and a person that he loved having in AEW these last few months has been William Regal. And I feel like the crowd was not giving Regal just the mention of Regal as much as I think the promo was calling for. And so uh, I like the content here, but I didn't necessarily like the outcome of it. And I think Brian needed more of the audience to, to care about what happened to Regal. And I think that kind of goes to say what I've been saying the last few weeks and why I wasn't a fan of all the twists and turns with Regal, because I think you essentially detached people from it, not to mention AEW fans are fairly astute when it comes to what's going on and are fairly aware that Regal left to go back to WWE. And so I think there's a feeling amongst AEW fans of, fuck him. Uh, And so I think they just don't necessarily care about what happened to Regal from MJF. Uh, And I think they weren't giving Brian what he needed here. That said, the person who did get a ton of heat here was Ethan Page, who came out with Stokely Hathaway. Stokely called Brian a raggedy bitch. He said, you raggedy bitch. It was so good. Uh, And Stokely is is hilarious, and more Stokely on my TV is something I will not complain about. Um, Honestly, uh, I saw somebody say it on Twitter. I think it was Anthony Scatz, and he said that you know, honestly, the winning combination out of the firm is Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway. I'm not necessarily, I agree with him, feeling Stokely with Big Bill or Stokely with the Ass Boys, but Stokely with Ethan Page has been great, especially considering how great Ethan Page has been here. Ethan Page garnered a ton of heat. Ethan Page uh, is kind of showing a lot of the promise that he had. When he initially signed with AEW and uh, into the feud with Darby last summer, I thought there was a lot we got out of Ethan Page, and then he kind of got brought down by pretty much everything that went down with Dan Lambert and uh, and basically bringing in America Top Team, but. We're starting to see a lot more of that promise. This segment had a really awkward ending, but I thought everything up until then with the challenge made for next week. Look, I get to see Brian Danielson wrestle. I'm never going to complain about that. Um, and he's wrestling Ethan Page. I think this should be really good. Um, and one of those matches that I wouldn't have thought I would have ever seen. So, uh, like if you told me two years ago, yeah, you know, on a random episode of television, you're going to see Ethan Page and Brian Danielson. And just thinking about the fact that Brian Danielson was in WWE, Ethan Page was in Impact, and they're both going to be wrestling each other in AEW. That's such a cool thing. Uh, We saw Hook. Um, That was a very quick match. Wrestled Exodus Prime. Um, And then we had some backstage stuff. Moxley faced Darius Martin. Uh, This match gave uh, Darius a chance to really showcase a little bit more and kind of have a... Um, uh, try to hold his own against Moxley, I think there's a little bit of confusion as far as the crowd is concerned. The crowd here was hot. And don't get me wrong, I thought that the crowd was hot, but wasn't necessarily giving the show what it was looking for in a lot of spaces. Like, I think Moxley is starting to confuse people a bit. Because you have Moxley who is still star babyface of the company. I think it can even be argued he's still the top babyface in AEW. But I think the positions Moxley's been in, such as the way he's kind of mocking Hangman Adam Page, and Hangman Adam Page is, of course, a beloved babyface amongst AEW fans, uh, and the way that he is put in a position to be an antagonist to Hangman Adam Page. The way Moxley on the mic this week uh, in his backstage segment basically uh, downplayed and uh, almost made fun of Darius's injuries and car accident earlier this year. So we have that. And then also Moxley, he's just been, you know, he was positioned against CM Punk back in September who in Chicago. He was positioned against MJF in uh, New Jersey just a few weeks ago. And it's really feeling to me like, Moxley is being positioned in these matches. He was positioned against Takeshita as well, now I think about it, just a couple weeks ago. He's being positioned in these matches to be kind of the heel, but he's still a top babyface, and he's still somebody that the fans, I think, want to cheer. He's just in a position to not. And in this match here, I think the fans were behind Moxley. He got a big pop when he came out. But he was positioned against Darius Martin, who was wrestling more of a valiant type of match. And the fans weren't necessarily getting behind Darius Martin. And so I think that there was a little bit of uh, confusion as to what this was supposed to be bringing to the table. Um, I I liked uh, Darius here, though, and I want to see more of what he has to do, and I'm looking forward to the uh, Battle Royal on Rampage this week. Should be a good stuff. So... The, uh, oh, 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 and so, sorry, Ace brought up, Will, you forgot what happened after the match was over. Um, and yeah, talking about, I think he's referring to the, uh, Elite and Death Triangle match, which, yeah, that saw the Elite get bloodied by Death Triangle, which leads me to believe that next week is going to be a bloody affair in the Falls Count Anywhere match. Should be great stuff. Uh, a couple of, I guess, newsworthy notes that I will bring up here shortly. I realized when I should bring up those pieces of news. So, we then had uh, FTR versus The Guns. No longer The Gun Club, There's just two of them. Can't have two people in a club. So, FTR and The Guns. Again, I told you last week that I thought The Guns were gonna win here. Uh, and Maybe some people were surprised by that. I think it's clear that F or that the Guns are not done with the Acclaimed that that never really had a payoff the Acclaimed won the titles and I know Kaden was giving me shit last week for basically saying that it may not be a bad idea for the Guns to beat the Acclaimed, but I think that the Guns do have uh, a story to tell with you know the Acclaimed essentially stole their dad and had some success with it. I think there is a story to tell for the guns to be the guys who uh, can prove that they're worth something without Billy as well. And I think there is a lot you can get out of that. Whether or not the guns are your cup of tea, I don't know. But uh, (laughs) I do think that This, to me, was the right call for the story that's supposed to be told with FTR right now. FTR, of course, lost to the Acclaim two weeks ago. And then they lost to the Briscoes immediately after. And now they've lost to the Guns. There's a story being told here that FTR might be losing it. And uh, whether or not you believe the rumor that they're heading back to WWE or that they're kind of just fucking with people for a story... Um, Remains to be seen. But I think that regardless, there is a story being told that FTR can't seem to keep it together. Because the fact is, uh, even though Austin Gunn took advantage and, of course, uh, Colton held on to his arm as he made the pin and that allowed him to pin Dax Harwood. Fact is, no one really cost him the match. There was no interference as it stands. FTR lost to the acclaimed clean. They lost clean to the Briscoes and they lost. And the thing was, Dax Harwood attempted to hold Austin Gunn's tights when he was pinning him and Austin Gunn reversed it. So really, Dax lost at his own game. So the story being told here is FTR might not be as good as they think. And I kind of like that. Uh, it's interesting. And if it ends with them losing all of their titles, but ultimately, winning the AEW World Tag Team Titles once they regroup, I think there's, uh, I think there's some potential there. And finally, Hikaru Shida versus Jamie Hayter. This was everything I thought it was going to be, and I'm not even sure. What I thought it was going to be, but uh, Sheeta was hinting at. She's been saying for a long time. She's been wanting to do a uh, what she called a hard hitting Japanese style match. And I think from opening bell we got that. Uh, Sheeta Sheeta made her way down to the ring, um, and Jamie Hayter had her first full-on, one-on-one entrance as world champion. She presents like a champion. She carries herself like a champion. This, to me, really did feel like a main event match between two of the best that AEW has to offer in that division. This was the fifth time that women have closed out Dynamite. Um, And specifically, I mean, women have had the main event match on Dynamite. Uh, If I remember correctly, um, the five, and I just posted this on Twitter, so it's not like I have to think too hard about it, but the five were, of course, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa from the first St. Patrick's Day Slam in March of 2021. And then Britt had the match with Ruby Soho at Grand Slam. That was the main event. Uh, And also Britt, again, had a rematch with thunder rosa at saint patrick's day slam uh, in this very arena freeman coliseum uh, for the title where thunder rosa won the belt and then uh a lot of people forget that mercedes martinez versus diana perrazzo to unify the interim ring of honor women's world championship and the ring of honor and the lineal uh, ring of honor women's world championship was the main event of that dynamite in baltimore so this was the fifth time the Dynamite has closed with women total, third time this year, um, which is, if I remember correctly, also the same amount of main events that SmackDown's had. SmackDown, if I remember correctly, hasn't had, and again, this isn't to compare. It's just looking at the landscape of women's wrestling. So this isn't like a, well, they do this, they do that. It's just noting that it's happened um that SmackDown has had three women's main events this year uh and I think all of them took place before all three took place I think what because I remember Charlotte versus um Naomi that was a uh main event and Ronda's had a couple so and I think they were all leading up to WrestleMania or leading up to Backlash so either way that's that's how that's gone Um, and don't worry, guys, I'm going to get to the segment to talk about getting this one out of the way. Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. Uh, once again, it was a hard hitting match and, uh, the really from jump from opening bell, um, the blows they were trading and exchanging, uh, it felt like a brawl. And I've wanted to see that out of Sheeta for a while. I think she was bringing a lot of that to the table, especially in the um, Serena Deep matches. But hell, it's been a year since uh, that feud really hit its peak. So I felt like we haven't really gotten that out of Sheeta this year. And I thought it just looked good. I thought Jamie looked good. Even in spots where the match match looked rough, it looked like a... um, What's the word I'm looking for? It looked like wrestling. And that was really what I've wanted to see here. They also had the crowd in the palm of their hands. When the opening bell started, you could hear a lot of Jamie Hayter chants. But I think the fans remembered who Hikaru Shida was as this match went on. There were some Holy Shida chants. And next thing you know, as the match progressed, the crowd was just into it. I thought these ladies cooked. They were killing this main event. Uh, This was... Easily my favorite AEW women's match this year. And I think of those five main events that I named, I think this was the best one. Um, And it's one of my favorite matches this year. I'll have to reevaluate as I look back at my matches of the year, as I talk about the match of the year stuff when me, Sean and Denise do that show later, but this was great stuff. I thought they just killed it. Um, We saw some interference uh, toward the end of the match, Britt Baker, uh, tries to interfere on behalf of Jamie Hayter. Uh, Sheeta took her out. Um, Jamie hit just a great-looking powerbomb on uh, Sheeta. And then just some great, believable near falls right up until the point where, of course, Jamie wins with Hayterade. Jamie celebrates, and then Jamie and Britt and Rebel jump Sheeta. Out comes tony storm we actually haven't seen tony storm in quite some time pretty much since full gear on screen and then out and they said on commentary that tony's still not clear and out came soraya for the save and the three standing tall at the end of the show where Sheeta, soraya and um, hikaru shida i love this match this if i were still doing the ratings here this is an s tier for me i loved everything about this i want to see them I would love to see them lock up again uh I'm really happy that she'd have got this moment in the main event uh considering that she was champion as long as she was and throughout that raid never got to close out a dynamite I'm really glad she got this spot and it feels like Jamie Hayter is being cemented as a top dog that this it doesn't feel to me like uh, a background player type of title reign here that yeah, they're telling the story that Brit has been trying to hijack her moments, but for the most part, Jamie feels like a top player in the division. And really the division I think has been cooking a lot more. I want to see more stories play out throughout dynamite, but for the most part, I'm happy with a lot of how the division is delivered in 2023. And uh, you'd almost have to be kind of in denial of, um, uh, to not give them their credit uh, on how the division is shaking out and shaping out. And if some things come through, uh, I think it could only get better. And there's also returns along the way. We've heard that Thunder Rosa was backstage and that she's looking at probably returning February or March. That's a very good thing. Um, Chris Statlander tweeted today that she's not cleared. And again, take your time heal up but just thinking about the fact that red velvet's back and it it's it's a good thing it's a good thing for the division you should want to see division succeed i think i've been really happy with raw's women's division and i think uh seeing the women's division in AEW start to get a lot of what people are have been asking for uh it's it's a good thing i have no complaints by the way i think rampage has had six women's main events Maybe seven, but I think my gut says six. I'm going to stick with six as an answer. And then, of course, there's been the two Battle of the Belts that had uh, women's main events. We saw the first Battle of the Belts, which was Britt Baker versus Riho, and then also Nyla Rose versus uh, Thunder Rosa for the title, was also a main event. Anyway, let's talk about it, shall we, folks? As Orion Ben 666 says, okay, folks, it's time. Get your cinder blocks ready. Uh, This segment, we saw the introduction. And by the way, Ricardo says, best bout machine, Hikaru Shida. She really is. She's the ace of the division for a reason. But got to talk about Swerve and our glory having their face-to-face with the announced biggest boss, Rick Ross, Being a part of this segment and being the mediator for uh for Swerve and Keith Lee, because look, Rick Ross was excellent in his last appearance in AEW, I can see why they wanted him back. Rick Ross introduces Keith Lee. I am so glad you're a big motherfucker has caught on the way it has because... (laughs) What the hell? He just... He just said it. And the look on Keith Lee's face was phenomenal. I laughed so hard when Keith Lee uh, turned out of the ring and gave that kind of collar pull look. Beautiful. So... Uh, Swerve makes his way out sporting a logo that you may have been seeing him tweet about a lot lately. Uh, And we finally know what it was. We saw the Mogul Associates graphic. Um, We now know that that's an M and an A. The Mogul Associates, what does that mean? And you may have noticed that one Swerve Strickland for the first time made his way Out of the heel tunnel. Which means. That for the first time. He is officially a heel. Uh, Even if he's been acting heelish. Pretty much going back to. The Wednesday after. uh, All out in Buffalo. Fact is. He is in. Full on heel mode now. So. That's where we can start with that. Uh, if you've been paying attention, you would have known that uh, Parker Boudreaux had tweeted about a month ago. I think it was November 28th. He had tweeted out the Mogul Associates logo. And uh, that should have been the indicator. And he hasn't been with the Trustbusters in in some time. Um, That should have been the indicator that there was some kind of alliance between these guys. And so we saw Parker jump Keith Lee um, because Swerve told Keith Lee he needs to learn to have eyes in the back of his head. Rick Ross pointed at, (laughs) at Keith at that point. Not sure what to think of all of that. Uh, I th- I thought he, I thought Rick Ross was going to be the one to jump him, which actually would have been kind of dope. Uh, and but Parker Boudreaux did. Parker is very much not for me. Uh, I don't quite get it. I'm still waiting for it. I didn't see any of Parker's stuff in NXT 2.0. I never watched any of that. Uh, so, as far as being a professional wrestler is concerned, I don't know what Parker brings to the table. Um, I know that he moves in a really goofy way, and that kind of bugs me. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't truly know anything about what that man brings to the table. Uh, as far as... Afterward, we then saw, uh, and granted, I don't know what his wrestling name is going to be, but we did see Grandin uh, Goatsman jump Keith Lee as well. Took people a while to figure out who that was because uh, he doesn't really have a wrestling presence. He was a second-round pick for the Tampa Bay Rays in 2011. Um, he played professional baseball uh, all the way up until last year, uh, and he's been training with at Jay Lethal school. Um, a lot of people have actually been talking him up, saying that uh, he's actually got a lot to offer in the ring. Um, I know Carly Bravo has been talking him up, so uh, I don't have any judgments on him as a performer because I don't, I haven't seen anything. I know somebody said, with all the tattoos, he looks like a doodle bear. And (laughs) uh, I can't unsee that now. But for the most part, I don't really have anything, uh, any judgments on him as a performer. As far as the segment was concerned, I thought that uh, the start of it worked. I thought, as as far as, like, getting a chuckle out of me, because I like Rick Ross. I thought that the cinder block spot was actually really, really good. I thought, so they set up the cinder block on Keith Lee and Swerve hits a Swerve stomp on it. He executed that. He hit the mark perfectly. Um, I thought it actually looked like a gruesome attack. Uh, Where the segment kind of fell apart was one, I think, I probably would have brought in Parker a little bit differently if it was going to be Parker. Uh, and Keith Lee kind of disposed of him. Um, so he also didn't get to look all that great there. Uh, I think as far as Grandin is concerned, uh, hmm. I, I, uh, his attack, I think came off a little bit better than, uh, than Parker's did. But I think ultimately what brought it all down was Rick Ross on the mic here. I like Rick Ross. I thought if you've seen the segment they posted to the AEW Twitter on social media, Rick Ross was excellent. I thought he actually came off better than kind of anybody as far as presenting the mission statement of mogul affiliates. I love that stuff. But I thought in this segment... He kind of needed to just stop talking and let the moments soak in. And this is where I think he was dragging the segment down. And uh, I think he didn't do the best job relaying the fact that he had also betrayed Keith Lee here. Uh, I think he needed... Somebody kind of needed to inform him, okay, once the attack starts, just... Get off the microphone. Say what you need to say when it's over with. But as the attack is going on, let kind of the silence speak for itself. Or honestly, I would have had him be the one hit to hit Keith Lee. Uh, I think that would have been kind of cool. Um, and then, like, if I were putting this segment together, when he uh, was behind Keith Lee, I would have had him hit him. Keith Lee kind of look at him like, what the fuck did you do that for? And then have the other two come in, jump... Heathly and then do the sender block spot. I would have put this together differently. As far as who as far as um, Swerve having a faction now, I think people are kind of looking at this because there I, I've seen some comparisons to hit row things along those lines. I think hit row was kind of more designed to be a an all-encompassing faction, a group. This feels more like Swerve and his heaters. Um, and in that sense, I don't know. I kind of dig the idea of him having essentially two white boys doing his dirty work for him, Um, and again, I've kind of known where where that part of it was heading. Uh, And that part of it, I like. The segment itself, though, I think was mostly a miss, and uh, I think there would have been better ways to execute this. That's my feeling on it. Um, but I think overall that everybody's going to be fine. And I think that the, uh, I think even having Rick Ross affiliated with him is actually a really cool thing. Um, if you can get as much out of Rick Ross as you can without him necessarily being there, uh, every week, I think that would actually be really cool. And ultimately I'm looking forward to, to Swerve having the singles run, um, I think him having the singles run with backup behind him is going to be kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, Mogul Affiliates is a thing. People have been wanting my thoughts on it. I avoided saying a single thing about it on social media. I didn't tweet. I didn't say nothing. Uh, I kept it all for the very end of this show, and that's where we're at. Uh, We've got some super chats on the matter. Uh, Alan Mark says, "I it may be that I'm an old man, but I didn't like this Lee Swerve spot. It was badly planned and executed. And Rick Ross has go away heat with me. I mean, hit or miss with you as far as Rick Ross is concerned. Like I said, I thought Ross was good in backstage segments. I think he's good. I thought he was good in the backstage segment uh, last time, and I think he was good in the uh, post show segment they did on Twitter uh, afterward." But with a live mic, I think there needed to be a little more production as far as that was concerned. Uh, we see Derek Gordon says, I honestly was liking this up until Parker popped up, and I legit laughed out loud. The dude just doesn't have it. Um, I, 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 Again, something about Parker is, is definitely off to me, and I can't figure out what it is. But again... I'm hoping that this is just a uh, swerve in his heaters kind of thing, because if so, I, I think that could work. Um, now, folks, let's talk about the ratings. How did this show do? Well, it's all in, and Dynamite did on TBS 957,000 viewers on average which included 396 in 18 to 49, which was good for a 3.0 rating. Thank you, Brandon Thurston for that. Uh, and from last week, that's up, uh, 1% in total viewership, but down in 1849, uh, 7% because last week was 428,000. Um, so that it's kind of that there's, there's not much else to add to that. Uh, I guess overall being up from last week is a good thing. Um, being down in eighteen to forty-nine, uh, what's interesting is that they were up in eighteen to thirty-four, down in thirty-five to forty-nine. So it's like they did a good job getting more young viewers, but in the in that same respect, turned off older viewers. Uh, but overall, the show still was up. So um, just depends on how you look at it, but. Either way, that's the show. I'm curious what the quarter hours look like. Those are not out yet. I could probably ask somebody in AEW for them, like, right now. But I will give that a wait. Until then, folks, this has been Day After Dynamite. Thank you for chilling with me for the last hour and a half. I said this was going to be a shorter one, and then it wasn't. But uh, definitely join us this Actually, in the next 20 minutes, as uh, I'm going to be with Righteous Reg and Philip Lindsay, we're going to be doing Ask City. Is this our last Ask City of 2023? It is. Join us for the last Ask or of 2022. Join us for the last Ask City of 2022. And then again, like I hinted at earlier, there's some cool stuff coming. Uh, got some interviews coming up. We just did an interview with uh, EJ and Duca of MLW. That should be up. Uh, for Fightful Select Tier 2 subscribers now, and then you'll see it dropped on the regular Fightful feed later this week. We also have an interview uh, with Veda Scott uh, coming up here very soon. That one will drop first for Tier 2 subscribers, and then uh, you'll see that one later. We've got a regular episode of Grapsity happening literally this, uh, this Saturday. And... Also, finally, we have uh, what else is coming up? Oh yeah, the Fightful Awards. YouTube.com/slash/Fightful. It will be myself, Denise Salcedo, and Sean Rossap. That's coming this January. Again, I've been putting the show together for the last like month and a half. Sean's been uh, pumping those awards out. If you haven't voted yet, FightfulSelect.com. Get your vote in. We're currently voting for best. In-ring women's wrestler of the year. We've voted on a lot of other categories already. Now that I think about it, uh, there's been votes on. If you haven't gotten your vote in, all the following categories are all up. We've got the uh, we've got men's indie wrestler of the year, women's indie wrestler of the year, Booker of the year, manager of the year, best gear, announcer, uh, storyline of the year, crossover athlete. Uh, we've talked about uh, men's singles match of the year, women's singles match of the year, tag match of the year, uh, the women's tag match of the year as well. Best on promos, feud of the year, promotion of the year. There's a lot of stuff up there. Uh, go through those categories, get your vote in if you haven't already. Fightfulselect.com, and then we're going to announce the winners. We're going to do a big uh, award show. fightfulyoutubecom fightful For myself. This has been Day After Dynamite. I will be back next week, last time for the year. And I figure the last show of the year, I should start out, or I should end Day After Dynamite for the year with the person that I started Day After Dynamite with. So, my guest next week is one Theron Reynolds, my old co-host from Now Playing Now back in the day, one of my best friends, my travel buddy, a guy that I've been across the globe with, uh, been to wrestling shows with everywhere and one more time me and Theron are hosting Day After Dynamite next week so until then we'll see you next time have a great day peace everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day